The one that was voiced by John Mulaney in the in. So it, it was a pig. It was a pig. It yeah. was a pig. I was right about it being yeah. a pig. Okay. You're right. Okay. There we go. Because so, I really did just sing. I said Spider Pig, and I was like, "That is definitely the Simpsons movie." There, that yeah, definitely is. Did you know, on the song that Homer sings when he's putting the pig on the ceiling, the Spider Pig song, mm. the Spider Pig, Spider, spider Pig, pig. Yeah, it has like fourteen credited writers. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that. I learned is, this the other day. Isn't that great? How? I'm not okay. That is insane i believe it's because all of the sort of chief writers on the simpsons put their names on it yeah obviously they've got loads of them and <laughs> also there's the bit in that there's the bit where they it goes a bit trippy and into another dimension where yeah it does take some kind of ayahuasca very, style it, thing. and very orchestral so that could explain some of it but still that's a lot of people. That's a lot of credited writers to have that, on a song that is, and I cannot stress this enough, basically just a Spider-Man theme tune with some of the lyrics changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is an amazing bit of trivia. I learned that two weeks ago and I was like, I have to check this. And I did. And there they are. All 14 of them. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely. Like, so basically any anyone could put the name on a song. Yeah, I think the janitor was there as well. He was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll be on. I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What if you changed man to pig? That would be funny. <laughs> They're like, get out. Get out, Marcel. The giant is called Marcel. Okay. In this... <laughs> is it related to Juanito? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? In the, in the one where extended universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, we should. Oh, my God. Imagine. We could do spin offs. <laughs> We're redesigning the podcast. Yes. Oh delete all this no. we're not using this <laughs> <laughs> oh my mind is whirring right now we're gonna... <laughs> he's distracted we're... from the interview yes <laughs> <laughs> oh right back on track right yeah sorry yeah it's <laughs> all right anyway my life <laughs> yes you that is who we're here to talk about <laughs> oh uh, so three a couple of years afterwards after after an educate bad education movie what how do you get the call for afterlife? So um, from from between the Bad Education movie and 2018, I think it was mm. afterlife. It might have been late 2017. I'm not quite sure. But, you know, I was, I was working fairly consistently. Like, yeah. you know, I had, I had some gigs. I did um, uh, flat TV with um, Tom Rose and so on. And as, um, oh, that must have been amazing. That was great fun. And um, uh, did an episode of Doc Martin as well again, which was, you know, wonderful fun. Back to Cornwall. Mm. For a person who lives near enough as far east you can be in this country, I've spent an anomalous amount of time working in Cornwall. <laughs> but it's fine, lovely place. Uh, and what I've heard, like, the cream teas are amazing. Oh, yeah, of course. But, you know, you must make sure that you put it the right way. But also do it the opposite way in Devon, I think. Yeah. That's too much. I'm not touching that. Uh, do you know what? Like, <laughs> that is... At my, um, I'm, I've got a couple of people from different ends of, from different ends of the uh, of the UK spectrum, right? And the arguments that yeah, that thing, it tastes the same. Can we? Do, can can I? I mean, I was gonna I was gonna make what I believe is a is a point about this, but I I don't think I will. I'm happy to out Tom Cruise as a Scientologist, but I'm not wading into this. Okay, is, this, <laughs> is that your line? <laughs> Well, you know, this, this could genuinely get me killed. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I would say that if you put the jam on first and the cream would go better on top. But that's that's okay, just, that's, that's, it doesn't matter. The point is, right, so anyway, I was in Cornwall. <laughs> so I come back and um, 
uh, I mean, really, this audition was as standard as, as it's possible to get. Uh, I get the call, casting director is Tracy Gillum, who um, is a lovely lady, and I'm giving her a shout out because, like, um, she's basically responsible for half my career. Oh, good for her. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's always good to build good relationships with casting directors, and Tracy's an absolute gem, uh, lover to pieces. Anyway, she gives me a call, and she's like, uh, okay, so Ricky Gervais sitcom, bit part, reckon you'd be good for it, come and see me. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, went along, did the raid, you know. Bish bash bosh, usual stuff. Uh, again, sort of, you don't think anything of it because you can't get too attached to these things because, no. like, you know, I, I do hundreds of auditions a year. Like, you know, you're not going to get all of them. Mm. Go back. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, they're, um, yeah, uh, they're ready for you. And I was like, oh, cool. Uh, so it was just one day, um, like, for series one of Afterlife, I go in and it's um, it's literally just a recorder scene. That's basically the beginning and end yeah. of my contribution to series one. I was there for, I want to say, on set for about an hour. Okay. Uh, so really not much. Um, but you know, happy with the work. Good to meet everyone. Mm. And I'm like, cool. Uh, all right. See, See you later. later. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to be back because I'm just a bit part. Yeah. Uh, then uh, my career fell apart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that genuinely. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is the fallow period I was talking about. Oh God. Um. So, uh, oh, actually, I can't remember if we said that on mic or not. We. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so so after uh, I'll, I'll repeat just in case. Yeah, yeah. Um. So after afterlife, just work just dried up. Okay. Um. And it's not like, you know, anything I was doing wrong necessarily because like, you know, I was still auditioning, but just sometimes the parts just aren't there. Yeah. And the problem with the career that I'm in is that when that happens, suddenly the sword of Damocles is hanging above you because you're like, oh no, I've got rent to pay. Oh yeah. Oh dear. So I'm like, right, well, time to become uh, rightfully employed, I reckon. Time, yeah. to, time to go out and hit the, hit the gig economy. Yeah, and man. I hit it hard. Yeah, baby. So uh, from August in... Uh, uh, 2018. I started delivering pizza. Nice. The idea was right. I'll probably I'll probably have to like style this out. Yeah. For a couple of months until the next thing comes along, but it's fine. It will keep the wall from the door. A year passes. Okay. And I'm like, right, still here. This is a problem because I'm thinking to myself, right. Uh, the problem with momentum is that once you've lost it, it is damn it's hard gone. to get it back. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so afterlife's gone out, but like I haven't got anything to like show for it. I was in like one scene, like you know, it's not it's not going to be the thing. I get a call again from Tracy mm -hmm. and they're like, um, yeah, so um, they want you back for season two. And not only do they want you back for season two, they want you for every episode. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Well, Sweet. Whatever. Yeah. Then they don't. Because <laughs> by that point, my confidence is at an all-time low. Yeah, I can imagine. But yeah. uh, I get, I get that. No, they were being serious. They were like, we're upgrading you to series regular. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Uh, so I sacked off the pizza <laughs> delivery <laughs> and went to go do that and yeah that was a tail end of 2019 uh and yeah i'd gone from a solitary scene in uh series one to like being in every episode of series two yeah we shot that all out and i was like right here we go that's what we call momentum yeah <laughs> and then, like, beginning of 2020 like i get uh i work with netflix to dub a german netflix show called how to sell drugs online fast yeah um so i did uh two seasons of that and I auditioned for Horrible Histories, and I get it. Nice. And I checked this, because it is, it is a very key part of this story. Yeah. I landed the Horrible Histories job on the 18th of March, 2020. Five days later, the world stopped. Oh, jeez. So oh, jeez. Like, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that, was, that took me out for nine months. But in the interim, uh, after like, Series 2 came out, and like you know, it was a, you know, Success. What, what can be said about it's a roaring success yeah <laughs> um 
and I've now done horrible histories. Like we it took 15 months, but we got it together in the end. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like we did series three of Afterlife as well this year. Uh, I did a show for UK TV called Murder They Hope with Johnny Vegas and Sean Gibson, which was great. My mum loves those shows. Like, Re they're really funny. Yeah, and like because initially when I got the thing through, it was under a, a project name at the time. This is this is standard practice for a lot of the yeah. industry. Like you know, if they want to keep something a secret, they'll give it sort of like a. A funny name like weebles wednesdays yeah yeah something like that i mean yeah when really it's spider-man 5. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you what it's even worse than that when you audition for marvel I really because i've done it <laughs> wow we'll talk off pod <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's fine because okay, cool. I, it's, it's, I mean I'm, it was a long time that ago that i auditioned for it okay uh but like you know you'll get it sent in like you won't they won't tell you what the project is they won't tell you what the part is and they'll send you a dummy script okay so like it's you know nothing about it outside of maybe looking at the the slate that they've got and thinking to yourself where do I fit into that? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what part I went up for. I have guesses, but they're just guesses. Okay. Uh, but this was uh, my guess. It may have been the first Spider Man. Ah, not what? as Spider Man, but as one of his little friends. What you mean the Far From Home? Spider Man Far From Home? Or... Uh, the, the yeah, the very first Tom Holland one. Yeah, far from yeah, far yeah. from uh, not far from home. That would have been homecoming. Homecoming. That's it. Homecoming. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, but again, that's a guess. I don't know. Okay. Um, but you know, it's it's irrelevant now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's sort of standard practice, especially for big Hollywood stuff. Like, you know, you you have no idea. No, you've got absolutely no idea. And you know, fair play. Like, you know, want to pretend to be secret agents? That's cool. <laughs> like, you know, I get to be there. Like, oh. I'll be given a dead drop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that that basically brings us up to present. Um, 2021, Murder They Hope, Afterlife Series 3 and Horrible Histories. And uh, yeah, that's it's been, weirdly, given everything that's happened, it's been a pretty good year. Yes. I can't really complain. And, like, that's, and fair play, like, be proud of that, dude. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, like, you know, because obviously when everything shut down initially, there was a, there was a big worry that was sort of like, oh, God, like, hmm how long is this going to take how long are we going to be out of this i mean like with horrible histories for example like the world shut down at the end of march now like that's ah, fine we'll pick it up in may yeah may 2021 more like oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you remember right at the beginning of all this when everyone was like ah, yeah, two three weeks two weeks, two, weeks. <laughs> two three weeks two three weeks maximum ah, be right where I'm at it. yeah it's fine nine Six. months nine oh, months no. before i was back on a set oh a long time Oh God, man! That but was... I kept myself alive with like voiceover and things like that yeah. because that that was still happening. And um, yeah, you know, I am in 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 debt to uh, my voiceover management for looking after me when all, mm. all was all was horror. How did you get into voiceover work? Uh, it was through my agent, funnily enough. Um, they have kind of sort of like a um, so a working relationship with Meet the Joneses, who's the agency that I'm with. Yeah, and they sort of like they pull talent because you know might as well. Why not? In for a penny, in for a pound. Um, so yeah. Uh, or many pennies and many pounds. That's the hope. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, um, I'm sort of co-represented uh, by uh, those two teams, and they like you know share info and share jobs and everything like that. So it's a nice uh, nowadays. It's kind of a nice blend mm. of like you know uh, on-set audition work and also uh, voiceover reels and things like that, uh, which is good because I mean you know it's, it's good to have as many irons in the fire as you can. Yeah. Because uh, you know why not? Oh, God, I didn't even mention Panto. I did Panto as well. <laughs> what? Okay. Who did you play? Buttons in Cinderella. Buttons, excellent. Yes. At the lighthouse in Paul. That was in 2017. Oh, like, I've always, as a kid, I've always wanted to just be a part of a pantomime. I tell you what, it was so much fun, but my 
God, I worked hard. Yeah. I, I, I kid you not, we did, um, so it was about a month long run uh, from the beginning of December through to the beginning of January. And uh, we did um, six days a week, two shows a day. And you work on Christmas Day as well, aren't you? Uh, but funnily enough, we didn't. Oh. Uh, but we did do Christmas Eve and Boxing Day. Okay. Uh, so, um, but so <laughs> Christmas is an odd downtime. Yeah. That's why people don't want to go out. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's standard practice is, is is the thing. But yeah, no, I lost over the course of that. I lost a stone and a half. Wow. Just from running around and sweating my bollocks off. That must have been insane. Who was the who was playing the dame and who was playing the? Uh, so um, the. The the top line talent, as it were. Yeah. Uh, the fairy godmother was played by Lucy Kay from Britain's Got Talent. Fair. Um, which uh, which 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 was lovely, and uh, the um uh Baron 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 Hardup Baron Hardup, uh, was played by uh, Richard Gibson from LOLO. Hello, um, Hello, made yeah. hair flick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and uh, uh, me in the corner. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at me! I'm top line talent. Get me out. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's sick. But we had uh, the Danes were um, uh, like, I, I, I love this aspect about Panto, the amount of stuff that I learned. Like, you know, the proper hardcore professional Danes. Like Clive Rowe. And that, that, yeah, that, that's, yeah. That, that sort of mold. And uh, uh, my Danes were Jay Worthy and Miles Weston, uh, who have done, like, if you've seen a Panto within yeah. the last 15 years, yeah. you've seen at least one, possibly both of them. Yeah. <laughs> because that's that, that's that's kind of their bread and butter. And like they'd, they'd, they'd been the Ugly Sisters, I think, before four times. Brilliant. That is... in All across the country. And it's, it's that is, it's consistent work because everyone... Oh my God. I mean, if, if you can, if you can get a, a, a hook in to consistent Panto work, you're fine. Yeah. You're good, mate. Like you, you don't have to worry about it. No. I mean, I'm so glad it's kind of like theaters are coming back and things like that because you know it's it's not just for the performers, but like Panto keeps provincial theaters alive. Yeah, because like you know that's that's where they make their money. Yeah, so like you got Wimbledon Theatre. We used to go down to um the what we used to go down to the Watford Harlequin. And, yeah, and it, it was just a yearly tradition. It was just a yearly tradition, and it is something I think that every child needs to experience. I agree. I really do agree. Because, like, you know, yeah, yes, it's hammy. Yes, it's, uh, like, you know, a, a, it's a bit of fun. And you don't understand what's going on, really. But, like, it's, <laughs> it's a farce. Yes. Like, you know, this is old comic traditions. Like, you know, these are... And it would be a shame to lose them, I think. Yeah. And, like, you know, we're, like, the only country that do it. Yeah. I did a... Um, funny enough, while I was at university, I did study a mod module on pantomime. Really? And, God, it's an interesting topic. And then actually doing it as well. Like, the amount of stuff you learn, like, the traditions and, like, the, the work and the bits. Like, you know, some of these jokes are, like, you know, get recycled. Like, some of them are antiques. Yeah. And, like, you know, you dust them <laughs> off every Christmas. <laughs> do the do. the do. And the Americans, like, they American celebrities love coming over and doing it, even though they oh. don't quite understand what's going on but it's because it's a british tradition like pamela anderson does it or at least did it every year for about five years, yeah, for about a, five years. i mean it's wicked fun i mean like in terms of like you know th there aren't many like theatrical i mean obviously stand up but like, there aren't many theatrical traditions that allow that much full-on engagement with the crowd no and like there is that element of danger to it and i love that and like you know especially like from an improv perspective or like you know that sort of stuff being quick off your quick off your mark with like you know audience banter and things like that mm. i mean it, obviously it's, a dif it's different depending on what part you're playing yeah like, you know i had audience banter but it was largely um you know having 
like you know make, making jokes with the kids and like you know mm. having fun with that but then the ugly sisters would be out there like you know <laughs> just, just full-on roasting people yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it, but i love that i love that tradition and like it's it's so much fun and like the different like these built-in scenes to panto like you mm. know it's it's all there and it's like right now now it is time for the custard pie section yes which every panto must have yeah by law of course like every aladdin has a scene with a washing machine because wishy-washy yeah like every every single one and it will be a huge slapstick bonanza yeah and it's <laughs> amazing to watch yeah i love panto i'd love to do it again it's, it was so much fun <sighs> But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to sort of. It's weird now looking back on it because, like I said, I mean, in February it'd be it'd be ten years since I've been doing this, and like I've been so lucky to do so many different and varied things. Like you know, it's on a on a consistent line. Like you know, I know I know my niche. Yeah. But like you know, to have what I can bring to a role be slotted into so many wild and disparate things. Like I'm I'm very fortunate to have had the career I have, and I am forever grateful for people who still let me let me do it. That's. And, and you've had a great one. Uh, that sounds really. That sounds like really. Uh, well, it, that sounds a bit like. Yeah, you are. Yeah, and you're doing brilliantly. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, but I mean, you know, the 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 fallow year. You know, that was good to keep me humble. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <it's, laughs> well, no, it's it's good though. Yeah. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I joke, but yeah. By the same token, it's genuinely good to remember that. Yeah, this can go away. Yeah, but it made you more appreciative of what you what you got, right? For sure. And like, you know, I, I didn't hate pizza delivery, by the way. Like, huh. you know, and I'm certainly not talking down to it. Like, I, I actually had quite a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and but you know, and maybe when when this does go go away, like you know, because you know, it may happen. You never know. Yeah. I reckon I could, I reckon I'd make a good area manager. Or you could do like a or be a restaurateur, or you can open up your own. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think I'll probably slot myself into the corporate pizza. <laughs> I think I'd fit in there. Oh, nice one. Because I know what a KPI is now, so uh -huh. that's uh, that's a key performance indicator. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to nod along. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, KPI. Yeah, KPI, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Is that yeah. the name of a comedy club? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Yeah. Uh, if not, we're, we're opening one. Oh, okay. nice one. Let's we, we're gonna we're gonna start with a custard joke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> start to write it. Start to write it. But uh, Arslan, write that down. <laughs> Actually, can you will do okay. cut, cut all of this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. So uh, before we get into black books, like, what is there anything that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Like, for example, because you've done a lot of single camera things, like single camera sitcoms. Have you ever thought about venturing into multi-cam audience? Uh, I mean, I, I feel this question a lot on TikTok. Uh, like, you know, what would you like to do? And mm. Honestly, it's it's tough to have concrete ambitions in this industry because yeah. ultimately my ambition is to get paid. Yeah, uh, and so like you know, it's it's nice to think about in terms of sort of like stuff that I'd, I'd like to do, but I also have to be realistic that I can't choose what comes my way. That's true. Um, but I, I'd like to do a drama. Okay, I would like you know because my bread and butter has been comedy, and like like you know, not to toot my own horn, but you do have to back yourself sometimes. I'm really fucking good at comedy. Yes. Like, I'm really yeah. fucking good at it. I can, as someone who watched three seasons of Bad <laughs> Education, and I can definitely, definitely back you on that one. Well, yeah, you're very I mean, good it, at it. You know, it sounds arrogant, but like at the end of the day, you've got to know what your worth is. Exactly. But I, you know, I when I was doing amateur musical theatre, not all of them are funny. And like some of the plays that I did, not all of them were funny. Mm. And like, you know, I've done, I did Shakespeare at university. Like, you know, I, I, I can do this. I know I've got this in me to do. Uh, and maybe one day it'd be nice just to do a, a straight piece where I, you know it's it's not funny and yeah. like, I can actually prove that I can act as well. 
<laughs> well, like, isn't like isn't comedy like one of the what what do you think is harder to do then, drama or comedy? Because I know you say you're good at it, but did you have to work quite hard to be the level you are at the moment, or did it come quite naturally to you? That's the thing. Like, it, it's it's hard to look at it from an unbiased perspective because I, again, I'm marrying myself here, but like, <laughs> I don't find comedy particularly hard. Okay. Like, I I understand how it works. Like, you know, I've got a an instinct for it. I think. Mm. Like, you know, I, I know how to read a line so it would be funny. Like, you know, I know where to change words to punch at something up. Like, it, it just, it, it's just already there. It's nascent. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of, it's, it's difficult then to sort of, you know, speak in an objective way about what's harder. Yeah. I mean, personally, I would say I find drama harder. Okay. Um, But that's because my specialism is in comedy. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't truck with all of this method bollocks. Oh God. Right. <laughs> so... And I, uh, maybe that comes from the fact that I didn't, I have no like formal training. Yeah. It could be, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I don't have truck with it. So like when I, if I am called upon to like play a dramatic scene, I'm I'm not pulling from real life experience. I'm just trying to act. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of tricky because I guess it, it, it sort of puts me out of my, uh, sort of off my step. Like, you know, I'm, I'm used to finding the joke. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's sort of, the, the end goal of every time I'm looking at a script, I'm like, well, where are the punchlines? Let me yeah. find those, sort them out to make sure I can hit them. Uh, but with drama, you don't have that. You're kind of sort of on your own, uh, sort of on a tightrope, uh, where like, you know, going too far one way or too far the other, like destroys the reality of the scene. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's it's tricky, but again, like, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I can do this. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, finding it, I guess. Dude. And wh wh whether the part comes up, because as I say, I, I, I don't have a choice. Like, no. I, I take whatever work comes my way. Because you want to get paid, but you get paid. That's it. But well, what, what exact as I keep saying to you, you've done phenomenally well for yourself, sir. Done all right. <laughs> Can't complain. Uh, so black books. Yes, I'm going to take a quick drink and we'll get into this. Go for it, lad. Right. So, what made you pick black books as a choice? Black books is my favourite sitcom of all time. Okay, it is my mastermind subject. Brilliant. It is. Um, it's. Uh, I think it is close to, if not at perfection. Okay. Um, it represents kind of a bygone era of um, of of television sitcoms. It was filmed in front of a live studio audience for the most part. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a thing that is now very rarely happens. I mean, we've got... there's only like not going out. Not the... going out. Of Mrs. Brown's Boys. Mrs. Think, Brown's yeah. Boys. Yeah, but that's is that filmed in the UK? Or is that that's filmed in Ireland, isn't it? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but okay, like you know, sort of the kind of the, the tradition of it is dead. Is basically what I'm getting. Yeah, to. like you know, everyone wants to work on location nowadays. Well, I've uh, I listened to this uh, program, a podcast called Sitcom Geeks, right? And they are they what because it's written by it's um, presented by. Um, Two um two comedy two comedy writers who have written a lot on a lot of um a lot of sitcoms hence the title sitcom geeks I yeah don't, I don't... it's a good title it's a very good title <laughs> informative they, yeah Ron Seal of them yeah uh, <laughs> they should really do something with that <laughs> uh, um but what they said was producers what well at least in twenty. 2019 when i think that episode was i don't know wait 20 it was like mid 20 late 2020 that i was listening to this particular episode right and they did say that producers are looking for um are looking for multi-camera live audience live uh, live audience sitcoms 
However, they are quite expensive to produce. I can imagine, yeah. Because you've got to get different sets up and you've got to get and hire an audience, well, a space to fit an audience in. And they've got to, if they're going to put money behind it, it's got to be quite bankable. Yeah, I mean, not going out being a perfect example of that. That's on its 400th season or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it's been around forever. And in many ways, it kind of has. Yeah, like um, 11 or 12 years. Uh, 12 years that's been around now. Yeah, and like, you know, they're, they're still doing regular series and also specials around Christmas, which yeah. is brilliant. Like, it's great. But I mean, Black Book's never had that. It had three series only. Yeah. Um. You know, it was, it was a short run thing. Uh. But what's particularly interesting i find about it is it's it's position in terms of the comedy landscape around the time it was coming out so we're talking like really really early noughties yeah and especially in series one the amount of times you look at a guest bit or a cameo mm -hmm. and it's someone that you would now describe as a household name yeah uh david williams yeah in one episode and has one line and now he is David Williams on your TV, yep. on your on your on your kid on your kids' bookshelves. Wow. In series one, episode five, Nick Frost plays a guy who uh, installs a security door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh. he has a he has an incredible lisp in this. <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, Kevin Eldon yep. uh, plays a cleaner, and like in series three, episode one, uh, Simon Pegg plays a rival bookshop owner. And this was around the time of Spaced. Yeah, so like you know. He's on the ascendancy, and then obviously the Cornetto trilogy will happen, and now he's Hollywood Simon. Yeah, and so um, <laughs> oh, that's that's a nickname that I've, <laughs> that's a wow. I've, I've never met the man, but yeah, neither have I. But I mean, Hollywood God, Simon, yeah. God damn it! Like, yeah, to, to come from sort of like the kind of indie British comedy. So you're in fucking Star Trek, Star Trek, Mission Impossible. Like, my God, like what a career! Like what a trajectory. And Nick Frost hasn't done bad for himself either. No, he was in what, Fighting My Family, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, what a film! So you know, he's he shares a credit with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, which is pretty big. Uh, as does Jack Whitehall, funny enough. Yes. Now, yeah. See Jungle, Jungle Cruise, Cruise now in now in cinemas yeah. and available on Disney Plus for fifteen pound for fifteen pound rental. Is it for fifteen? Okay, sure. I did not do any research for that. I decided to launch into a plug without any details. <laughs> I love that we're plugging everyone else's things. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, we're, we're, all, we're all trying to make it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, I think that Jack Whitehall needs. He'll be fine. He'll do fine. One. He'll do well one day, won't he? Yeah, Jack yeah, uh, yeah. Big, big plans for that boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a couple of years. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be. I'm sure he'll do fine. He's a Disney prince. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, so, so the landscape that Black Books was in at that time, like. Comedy was in a really good place, I yeah, think, in the early noughties, especially British comedy, because like you know, sitcoms are being churned out a lot, and like some of them were pablum, some of them were better than others, obviously, yeah. Um, but like Black Books, I think, stands head and shoulders above the others. It's like you know, it's it's kind of um, stable mates with like The Office, mm. again, all coming out around a similar time. Like the 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 like the texture and the narrative of comedy is being rewritten, yeah. And then you have this really, really really quite simple plot of a cantankerous man running a bookshop and yeah. stuff happens but that's like that is the bread and butter from that is the bread and butter for most sitcoms isn't it you have one or two you have one or two characters and then shit happens around shit happens around them that they have to react to yeah and in this case you have the central three you yeah. have bernard black played by dylan moran yeah you've got um uh, manny bianco played by bill bailey yeah uh, again you want to talk national treasure yeah and we come dancing darling yeah yep. and then fran played by tanzan greek again, you want to talk about national treasure yeah <laughs> again yeah again national treasure again like 
for that is like lightning in a bottle. That, yeah, that I mean, casting. That casting is in, is is it is crazy the chemistry yeah. that they have. And you know, it is despite being sort of like a studio thing, it is a dirty sitcom, but yeah. not in terms of it being like rude. Like the characters are mainly drunk for most of it. Yeah. They the only time they're not smoking a fag is when they're lighting one. <laughs> Like, you know, they smoke and drink constantly. These are bad people. Yeah. Like, and they are shuffling through life and they will die early. Yes. And they they constantly reference this as well. Like, they talk about how unhealthy Bernard is and, like, you know, his anger issues and everything like that. And it's a consistent through line that he is just so abusive to his, not only his friends, but his customers. Yeah. <laughs> it is incredible how that shop is still open. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit like the, it's a bit like 40, it's um, kind of, it's a, Basil Fawlty-ish, isn't it? I mean, the DNA is there. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and like, you know, um, say what you like about Graham Linehan now, many have. But um, he uh, wrote the first season of this. Yeah. And you can see traces of Father Ted in there as well. Yeah. Like, you know, he's, uh, you know, before all that, um, he's he was very, very good at placing an outsider in an ordinary situation. Yeah. You know, well, in the case of Father Ted, like, you know, sending an urban priest out to rural island and in the case of black books having this impossible man hmm. somehow running a bookshop in london yeah <laughs> yeah it's true and and he's still quite good at it as well yeah because like, i watch um, motherland which he's got a right he's got a writing credit on for sure yeah so he's still despite whatever's happened that's whatever. the thing like you know say what you like about the man as i say many have but there's no there's no denying that the man's in terms talented of, like i mean Father Ted, Black Books, IT Crowd, like you know, yeah. it's these that that period of time, that chunk of comedy writing. I mean, that's that's a like any one of those would be a fitting legacy for anyone mm. wanting to be a writer. But the fact that he had that one, two, three punch is really quite incredible. Yeah, that he basically kind of rewrote the British landscape of comedy. Near enough, near enough. I, I don't think that's you know too small a thing to say. I do think that the first series is is perfect. I think there are some. Or maybe one or two dud episodes in uh, series two and three, but like you know, not everything's going to be perfect. And no. the jokes are still good. Like the episodes might not be as consistently funny, but there's still good stuff in there. Mm. You'll always find something there. Do like I was having this. I was actually having this kind of conversation yesterday with another comic on the podcast. And um, do you think that that is because maybe not so much that the episodes are dud, but it's just that you're used to the, you were very used to the writing. It could be. It could be. But I mean, uh, Dylan Moran wrote. A lot of series two and uh, series two and series three, and like he has writing credits on series one as well. Mm. And I think like they were trying to sort of there, there, there seems to be a sort of element of trying to sort of move things out of the bookshop a little bit. Okay, uh, which is you know it's, it's an idea like you know there's there's nothing wrong with that. And like certainly there are spots in series one where they they leave like you know there's a whole scene in the hospital in episode one uh, where Martin Freeman plays <laughs> a doctor. Just they're just like <laughs> dropping these na dropping these names. Yeah, oh, look, oh there's just a, oh look there's just another there's another British star. Look, I'm just gonna pick yeah them up again. Like, I could I could go through every episode and just trail off a list of people who are in it. It's mental. But like you know they have a scene in the hospital and they're like the one with Nick Frost um, series one episode five uh, locked out where um, Bernard gets locked out and he gets yeah. he goes to the cinema. <laughs> goes, to, goes to a pawn shop, um, not a P A W N. A a P O R the P the the, the P star 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 shop. When they used to sell videos. Oh Jesus! So it's a video shop. It's mental. It's what well, an <laughs> artifact of the time. <laughs> and then gets a job in a burger bar as well. And like the cinema attendant is played by Tony Way, late of Afterlife again. And yeah. uh, the, the burger bar guy is also played by Tony Way. 
basically playing the same character. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Um, if you could remake Black Books, how would you do it? If you I, had, if you had no choice, Netflix. If say Netflix has given you X amount of money, you signed the contract, you have to do it. How are you going to go about doing it? Well, the first thing I would say is, outside of this hypothetical, I wouldn't. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, the problem, the problem is that lightning in a bottle casting that we spoke about. Yeah. Like you know, I think you, you couldn't use the original cast. I don't think. Um, but. I struggle to think of an actor who could be so, who's, who is willing to be as filthy mm. as Dylan Moran was for Bernard Black. And I guess that's the problem. I would keep it, I would keep it multi-camera studio. Good man. For sure. Because I think it, like the, the intimacy of the bookshop works really well in that way. Like I love the fact that we like we don't see one of the walls. Like, you know, <laughs> you know it's always facing inwards. And like, I love that intimacy. I love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm really struggling with this. I think you can tell. Like, yeah. I'm really struggling with this because I can't get over the hurdle of the casting. That's why. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, oh god, this is so tough. I'll stick with the things that I know I would do. Okay. <laughs> For now. Yeah. And I'll have a think, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not feeling confident. <laughs> um. So for sure, keep it studio multi-camera yeah that is for sure um i think you could i think that it's been long enough and it's niche enough mm. that you could recycle some of the episode ideas yeah um i think that um series one episode three grapes of wrath is pound for pound one of the best episodes of any sitcom that has ever been written fair play i think it, it like minute to minute beat to beat everything about it is perfect it is so quotable the character levels are so high and it is such a farce i mean it's the whole episode, for those who haven't seen it, and I really just suggest that you do. It's on Netflix. Mm. Um, the whole episode is based around Bernard and Manny uh, house-sitting for a, uh, a kind of a rich guy. Mm -hmm. And the central premise is this. He takes Manny down to the basement and says, you can drink as much wine as you want, but only drink it from this large rack. <laughs> do not drink any of these very these 10 very old dusty bottles of wine in this rack because i'm going to be presenting one of them to the pope okay manny takes us all in they already have a bottle of wine open he drinks it and they're like right okay manny go get another bottle and he comes down and he looks at the rack that he's supposed to take it from and goes oh yeah not from that one only from these <laughs> 10 and they take one of those bottles and they drink it and then they're reading a wine guidebook and yeah it's worth seven thousand pounds oh dear and so they have to while while pissed out of their heads in this house <laughs> that they don't own they try to recreate the wine <laughs> using available ingredients <laughs> and it is it is impossibly funny like just like you know this sense of vanilla they put some vanilla ice cream oh, in it Jesus. they say it's oak barreled so they go out to the front garden and literally just take down a branch from an oak tree. <laughs> thunder and lightning are crashing manny for reasons i will not get into now has a limp and a hunchback <laughs> and like there's a cyclist driving by as bernard is just beating manny with this branch while the lightning crashes going you fall, fall. and the lightning strikes she's scared terrified he runs in stuffs it all in no live it is incredible and meanwhile if while all that is happening there's a side plot with fran uh townsend grease character yeah uh where she is on a date uh where she is learning at an alarming rate that the person she's on a date with is a uh, repressed homosexual okay 
so you who's know that, who's that played by? I oh god, the name escapes me, but you will have seen him. It's one of those like he's he's in everything, <laughs> sort of things. It's not James Dreyfus, is it? It may be, it may be. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I, sh- I really should be a mastermind subject. Look at me. I can't even remember. <laughs> Christ. I need to brush up. Uh, so that's happening. Meanwhile, the reason why they've taken on this house-sitting job is because the shop is being cleaned by a cleaner played by Kevin Eldon in full-on creepy mode. Again. <laughs> like it, like I said, the characters, the character levels are so high. Yeah. And like, you know, it's 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 such a perfect episode that I feel to myself. I, I think there's enough people who haven't seen Black Books that you could pretty much recreate that beat for beat and it would be fine. Okay. That is a perfect answer. For someone who went, I, I love doing that question because like they, 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 you're, every, everyone always goes, oh, I, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know. But then you do know, right? It's great. <laughs> I'd still not across the casting. I do, I think it, it might have to be an open audition. Yeah. I do. Because I'm, I'm thinking of the, like the landscape of the current performers and like, no, no, not to discredit any of them because I'm including myself in that. I just can't see that chemistry being recreated from people that I know about. Yeah. So you may have to widen the the net, I think. So it have to so maybe like people who are un, who are genuine unknowns. Possibly. I mean, again, one of one of the beauties of especially early black books is you can look at it and there's national treasures left and right. Yeah. And like and yeah, I mean, yeah, you do have the whole like this is an all white cast in New York, right? But I've been to the area of New York that that that, that is that that is meant to be set, and it's like Manhattan, is Manhattan, it? Yeah. which is mainly rich white people. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I'm 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 speaking also specifically about some of the more sort of like gay panic, oh yeah, stuff like you know it's 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 there, and I know it's a product of it. Yeah, like, like of course it is, but actually some of it was even pretty bad for the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. But at the same time, I've watched a couple of those episodes at the same as well and like the main one is always ross and his for sure yeah it's Uh, it's actually been funny i've been reading articles where like um they've been speaking to sort of like gen z yeah influencers who are like being exposed to friends for the first time and they're like ross is like a monster yeah (laughs) he's a full-on abusive yeah (laughs) but the thing is ross always gets to come up he always gets to come up and stuff for sure so and in, I'm thinking in particular the episode where Freddie Prince Jr. Um, does a guest spot as the nan, as the male nanny. Yeah. Yeah. And difficult to watch that. Difficult. <laughs> <the>, yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit, but at the end, it he um, he really actually kind of opens up and um, about how his view on man on what and machoism and masculinity was very much shaped by how unemotionally involved his father his father was yeah but that doesn't that still does not excuse i mean that's the thing it's a reason but it's not an excuse there let's be honest they still wrote the jokes yeah so, yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but like true. weirdly one of the, the character that you would expect really not expect this the one who probably comes up smelling most of roses is joey joey is a gem because like he's genuinely respectful of yeah. the women that he has liaisons with. Yeah. Like, you know, he's, you know, he's well into consent. Yeah, that's but, it. Like, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, sure, he's a bit of a womanizer, but he's not he's he's not like a, a dick. No, he's actually the most human of those, char- of those characters, yeah. And like he's the only one, apart from maybe um Chan well Matthew Perry, who didn't who seemingly didn't give a shit about 
how he are not looking like the not looking the Hollywood leading man the part. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I mean Matthew Perry. I mean, God bless him. Yeah, it's always fun. Not fun. It's always interesting to, see. to look at the end of a series and yeah. the beginning of a new series. Yeah, it because is. Because he's been slimmed down because obviously over the course of the series, they've been keeping them on a diet of like stones and twigs. Yeah. To keep, yeah. <laughs> to keep them all exiguous and thin. And yeah. then there'll be a break in between seasons. He's come back, he's all paunched. Because, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, God, God love you. For reasons we shall not be going into. Food. Going... It's food. Yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delicious food. Yeah, lots of food. Mm. Lots of food. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but nothing like that really exists so much in black books as far as I'm aware. Like no. there are some sort of leanings into sort of like um, uh, homosexuality being the butt of the joke, but kind of not really. It's very soft. Yeah. Like, you know, um, <laughs> there was, a, I think, one of the one of the parts of it, um, it's not, not going to be verbatim, but um, it's in the series one, episode two, uh, where Manny's sort of looking around the shop and saying how it could be fixed and sorted out. And there's yeah. some jokes about something, you stick to the floor over there. And <laughs> well, yeah, it's supposed to stick to the floor, though. It stops kids running around. <laughs> but at one point he says, uh, yeah, you know, go around, fit in a few standard lamps. And Bernard immediately cuts in and says, why don't you just say you're gay? <laughs> he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm not. And like, as in unison, both Bernard and Franco, but you're interested in lamps. <laughs> so you're like, you know, again, it's soft touch stuff. Like, it is. You know, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I don't know if you'd write it in now, but it's soft touch. Like it's soft. And it's, and it's also, from what I remember of that episode, it's said with a hint of, uh, not, well, just a hint of sarcasm. Because it's not saying that. For sure. Like, you know, it's, it's again, it's not malicious. Like, no. Like some of these things can be. Like, it's you know, just a bunch of friends saying things that you'd say to a mate down the pot to a friend down yeah the and like yeah. this this scene with the date uh with um uh with with fran in in the other episode like sure they play on a couple of gay stereotypes uh but i mean who wasn't at the time no uh you know not saying it's okay but like you know it's who wasn't at the time yeah <laughs> and so like you know there's there's gags about him talking to his mother three or four times a day <laughs> and like you know he's he's like listening to old big old diva show tunes <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a whole thing but like you know it's it's as i say it's 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 basically safe yeah and like you know a lot of the humor rises out of some of the more sort of absurd aspects of running a bookshop like uh when um uh, I think series three, episode two, I believe it is, mm. uh, where um, Manny and Bernard attempt to write a children's book. <laughs> and then the rest of the humor sort of comes from the way these people live. Oh. Like he's stuck a candle in a full wine bottle and put it in the freezer and then says, fetch my lolly. <laughs> Smashes the glass against the wall. Yeah. And just starts <laughs> licking this frozen bottle of wine on a candlestick <laughs> like a lollipop. So like, again, it's it's... It's, I really do think it's perfect. I cannot yeah. stress enough how much I love this program, and it is on Netflix, and it's and it's also on all four as well, and all four as well. That you've you've no excuse, <laughs> dude. Six episodes, the we six episodes of three series. Like you, you got time. That's it, dude. We fucking cracked it, man. We cracked it. We've done it. We've actually cracked it. So looking to the camera, cut that. Cut that. Tell people. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it all. <laughs> That's, oh, do you know what? <laughs> it's too early in the morning for this. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. Um, so look at the camera, tell people where they can find you. Okay. You listen to me good, right? Actually, I should probably talk into the mic a bit that, as well. That I'm might gonna, help. Yeah, go over here like this. Hey, I've unified my social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Ethan D. Lawrence. That's in all those places. I'm focusing on the TikTok right now. We're doing well. I've got 69,000 followers, which is nice. 
<laughs> Let's get us to 420. So Ethan D. Lawrence everywhere. Uh, for my work, you can check out my IMDb. <laughs> no, but uh, a lot of the things that people know me for, like Bad Education and Afterlife, you can find those on Netflix right now. Uh, everything else probably available at your local DVD or Blu-ray retailer. Wow. Support local. Yeah. Dude, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been great fun. All right. And we're out.